welcome to Cryptid Creation, where I tell my friends about the weirdest and greatest cryptids in the pursuit of crafting one of our own. I'm Cal. I'm Grace. And I'm Rye. We're back for another episode, and this time our potential love interest is quite the mountain man and a very big nature lover. We're talking about the Yeti today. I fully thought you were going to say Paul Bunyan. (laughs) (laughs) Which, like, is he not a cryptid? You know, cryptid, folk hero, what's what's the difference? Similarities abound, truly. You do have me there. I am so excited. I love the Yeti. Yeah, right? Because the Yeti is often grouped in with Bigfoot as, like, the same species in a different hemisphere or whatever. Um, but the two do have a lot of differences in, like, habitats, traits, the lore surrounding them. Plus, does Bigfoot make an appearance in any classic holiday movies? Is Bigfoot featured on a Disney ride? I think not. The Yeti deserves our love. On the other hand, is the Yeti featured in Phineas and Ferb? I think not. Maybe he is. I don't remember. With all of our Phineas and Ferb references, I feel like we as a podcast just need to sit down and watch through. Dan Povenmire sponsor us. (laughs) Dan Povenmire, come on the show. Dan Povenmire, yes. come on the show! I think Dan Povenmire would be our ultimate cryptid to create. Oh my god. He seems wonderful. <laughs> Truly. For this cryptid, we're traveling to the Himalayan mountain range in Asia. Um, the different tribes and populations that call the Himalayas home seem to each have a different take on the Yeti, interesting enough. The name itself actually reflects those different accounts from the creature. It has roots in the Tibetan, Wiley, and ZYPY languages and is more specifically derived from terms relating to the words bear and rocky. Also, as a side note, um, I will definitely do my best to do these terms justice, but I unfortunately couldn't find a lot of sources that provided the proper pronunciation. Bear with me. Tibetan lore uniquely has three different types of yeti. The Nilamo have black fur and are the tallest and most aggressive at up to 15 feet tall. The Chudi are around 8 feet tall and live up to 8,000 to 10,000 feet above sea level. And the Rangshimbombo has reddish-brown fur and are the smallest at only 3 to 5 feet tall. If you can't tell, Rangshimbombo were my favorite. Oh, when you said mini, I definitely was not thinking 3 to 5 feet as in, like, a person size still. (laughs) Fair enough, fair enough. They're about hobbit-sized, I'd say, though. At the smallest. Hobbit-sized is good. Also, I feel like the snow is scary enough on its own. And deadly enough on its own. And we had to go and invent of, like, what if we had a giant creature set to be with, like, an aggressive scale? Yeah, that's fair. We Enough people die in the Himalayas on their own. And you, it's just like, oh, it's the Yeti. No, it's... It's just inhospitable in some places. Look, man, my joints are already bad enough as is. Going into snow or just any cold weather is not it. Not gonna happen on my watch, baby. If I see a Yeti, I will lay down and die. Thank you. (laughs) Release me from this hell, please. I beg. Um, In Russian folklore, the Yeti takes on the name of the Chichuna. And here the creature is portrayed as six or seven feet tall with dark hair covering its body. 
the nomadic Yakit and Tungus tribes describe the Chuchuna differently as a Neanderthal-like man with white patches of fur on its forearms. As a fun little fact, this one occasionally he eats human flesh. So close to being the most normal one. We were so close. Then really Jeff said, and it's a cannibal. <laughs> and also, it's got a munch. I would take argument with you saying it's a cannibal. It's not eating its own species, it's eating humans. Also, is it only eating humans? There are other animals out there, and humans are kind of a lot of work for not that much meat. You are so right on both counts, actually. There are um, obviously a fair amount of differences between each version, none of which include our typical white coat we think of when we hear the word yeti. Um, other than that, though, these descriptions do seem to fit our modern image of a bipedal ape-like creature. Maybe the white fur is just one really, really, like, it's like the eldest yeti that is <laughs> the, the most, like, beheld. And so we, that's our collective consciousness of yeti is this oldest, wisest yeti. They've earned that white coat. Maybe it's like those arctic animals that, like, are white in the winter, like have their winter white fur coat and then like Ooh. shed it and turn like brown or black in the summer. Fashion baby. Maybe it's like polar bears and their fur is actually clear. Oh, the possibilities are endless with these boys. Um, descriptions aside, I guess word travels fast when so many cultures tell of a similar enough mysterious creature because Alexander the Great himself reportedly demanded to see a Yeti when he conquered the Indus Valley back in 326 BC. And the Himalayan people apparently refused to bring one to him, citing that the species couldn't survive at that low of an altitude. I'm, I'm gonna say it. That is some real Elon Musk type behavior. <laughs> he was a, like, horrible, he, he conquered everything. Of course it was Elon Musk-type behavior. <laughs> exactly. Does humanity really change? <laughs> God, the same person, different eras. I hate it here. Season two, we just nailed down reincarnation theory. <laughs> <laughs> the real cryptid. Perfect. This isn't a dating show anymore, it's a cover. Well, on the topic of white billionaires with audacity... Um, the urge to explore and climb mountains that do not want to be climbed brought more and more Western explorers to the Himalayas, and thus sparked more interest in the mythical Yeti we call friends. We have the 1921 British Mount Everest Reconnaissance Mission to thank for the very Westernized name of the abominable... Abominable... Abominable snowman. I feel like anemone. Anemone. <laughs> it's so real, though. I feel like I get that more than an enemy. And an, I say screwing <laughs> myself up on anemone. Um, you psyched yourself out. It's cool. I did, but abominable is hard. It, there's so many syllables. And why? For what? I love hearing kids go, abominable snowman. The abominable snowman was also featured in Phineas and Ferb. <laughs> Glad we could clear this up. God, I just remembered the Yeti slash Abominable Snowman from Monsters, Inc. And what a dude. What a guy. Again, Bigfoot could never. 
All right, going back to that fun, abominable nickname, though. Um, this reconnaissance mission um, came across some old footprints during their travels, and their Sherpa guide attributed them to the Wild Man of the Snows, or in their language, Meto Kongmi. Um, Meto translates as man bear, and Kongmai as snowman. But, of course, when the expedition returned home to publish their experience and give interviews, some misspellings and attempts to translate led to Meto being replaced with the word abominable. Because why not? So similar. Western interest in the Yeti really peaked in the 1950s, thanks to photos that English mountaineer Eric Shipton took of a large set of footprints during his attempt to climb Mount Everest. His photos have been intensely studied since then, with some claiming that they're the most compelling evidence we have of the Yeti yet, while others think they could be just normal footprints distorted in snow. Soon after that, in 1954, expedition teams returned with claims that they'd seen a Yeti scalp in the Pengbush Monastery, um, and British naturalist Professor Frederick Wood-Jones was able to study hair samples from the scalp and determined that it wasn't actually a scalp. He believed that the hairs actually came from a coarse-haired hoofed animal rather than a bear, ape, or any animal with anything even resembling a scalp. Um, continuing over time, there have been multiple expeditions and research teams f formed with the sole purpose of discovering more concrete proof of the Yeti's existence. Okay, I'm caught between two different things because my first thought was, God, imagine being a government Yeti finder. And then I realized that's probably what Bree's doing right now. God, I would not be surprised. <laughs> it's fun that we're talking about governments here because um, while scientific efforts have failed to find definitive proof one way or another... Um, it hasn't stopped some world governments, some first world powers, to weigh in on the Yeti's existence. The U.S. government thought that finding a Yeti was plausible enough that they put three guiding rules in place for American expeditions um, to the Himalayas. They needed to, one, obtain a Nepalese permit, two, avoid harming any Yetis except for in self-defense, and three, let the Nepalese government approve any news reports on the creature's discovery before acting on it themselves. Um, also, not to be outdone by the U.S., Russia organized a full conference of Bigfoot and Yeti experts back in 2011. This group made headlines around the world when they announced that they were 95% confident in the Yeti's existence. Um supposedly because they had some gray hairs that they had found from a clump of moss in a cave. Um, however, though, one of the attendees went public saying that their indisputable evidence was nothing more than a hoax and a publicity stunt. Especially if you know it's a publicity stunt, absolutely wild for you to go as high as 95% confident. Right? It's such a high number. Like, if... If in class you asked me to rate how I did on any given assignment that I had control of the entire time, I would not go higher than 90. 
maybe 80. So surprise, surprise, um, sightings of the Yeti are often thought to be people misidentifying Himalayan wildlife, um, or even as simple as a human hermit living in the area. Japanese researcher and mountaineer Dr. Makoto Nabuka supported this theory by saying that the word Yeti could theoretically be a corrupted version of the word Neti, which is a regional term for bears. However, this claim is heavily criticized as linguistic laziness for just confusing rhyming words with each other and just assuming that must be why they exist. On the believer side, they have, of course, asserted that Yeti sightings include features that mark it as very notably, notably different from bears or other wildlife, um, including features like its ability to grab objects with an opposable thumb and its broad shoulders that require a much different bone structure than the ones, say, bears possess. They also point to the Yeti as the closest living relative of our friend and boy Gigantopithecus, I think I got it right this season. You did. Oh, thank God. Okay. Big win for me. Um, which, though we're now on the right continent that Gigantopithecus existed on, we have the same problem of it being thousands of years extinct and quadrupedal rather than bipedal. Um, since we're talking about it having big ol' sh shoulders... Does that mean that they have collarbones, since bears don't have collarbones, which is why they don't really have shoulders? Quite possibly, but I feel like to get in the realm of a yeti sighting that has that information, it would have to be like a paranormal romance novel situation. Mm, Chuck Tingle. Hey, Chuck Tingle. Can we get Chuck Tingle on the podcast? Hey, Chuck Tingle, sponsor us. I would die if Chuck Tingle came on the podcast. Love is real, buckaroos. Again, if either Chunk Tingle or Dan Povenmire get on the show, it's over for us. We're not going to get any better than that. In terms of where the Yeti stands now in Himalayan culture, um, citizens of Bhutan, which is a country neighboring the Himalayas, commonly believed in the existence of the Yeti until a very recent decline starting in the 1960s. It's very hard to separate that decline in belief with the increase of Western involvement and scrutiny that surrounds the Yeti, which is really unfortunate when you consider how many cultures and folklores featured the Yeti in one way or another. But on that very depressing note, um, romantic pros and cons for the Yeti! I mean, definitely a pro for Boof is Boof won't get cold. Very true. Always... <laughs> Has a boyfriend to keep warm. And can a sentient patch of haze and ever-changing shape get cold? Very true. Shit, did we create the glow cloud from Night Vale? <laughs> <laughs> Either way, the Himalayas are hostile to everyone but Bigfoot and the Yeti. And Grace only sometimes. Only sometimes. Sometimes sentient patch of haze, sometimes a literal sandhill crane, sometimes a big Celtic knot. Who knows? It's Boof. New sitcom. It's Boof. <laughs> it's Boof. Ooh, this kind of goes hand in hand with keeping Boof warm. But 
boyfriend the yeti could take some nice walks through nature together just in case someone wants to like come along and take some spontaneous photos of them when they're out and about only to later be disproved no matter who Boof is with, one activity they can do together is gaslight the general public. Absolutely. As they should. Khan mm. probably doesn't shower much. Mountain man in every sense of the term. If I mean, and if they're related to Bigfoots, and Bigfoots in particular have a stink to them, if I'm remembering that correctly... Yeah, yeah, they sure do. That stinky skunk garbage smell. On the other hand, it's so cold up there, would the smell even penetrate the cold air? Ooh, Fair point. Good point. They just can never go on vacation. <laughs> no warm climate. Ooh, another pro. Multicultural. Got around to a whole bunch of different communities. Could be very good with another community of the Fuba stinks. Just one more good version of our creature. I did forget for a second that it was the Fubastanks. <laughs> Fubastanks rise up. Fubastanks rise up. Um, a con is, well, I didn't have to read too much about the stink of the Yeti. I did have to read a lot about experiments done on Yeti poop. So that's definitely a drawback for me personally. Yeah, that's less... I would support Boof no matter what their choice is in terms of romantic partner. It just definitely, I would not be able to regard him the same way. Yeah. I mean, dried poop is good for burning to keep warm. How's it gonna get dry in the snow? Another con that didn't come up in this episode because there was already too many experiments and expeditions and whatnot. Um... The Yeti is a suspect in the death of nine hikers in the fun little Diatlope Pass. Oh, Diatlope right. Pass! Didn't they solve it? Yeah, I think it was finally confirmed to be an avalanche, but yeah. like, the jury's still out for a lot of people. A lot of people th still think the Yeti was involved somewhere. The Yeti caused the avalanche. The Yeti wanted to go skiing. He wanted mm -hmm. to go like hardcore skiing, like, like, like. Well, it's probably, I'm sure it's fake, but you know, in movies and stuff, there's always like a surfer that's like, I'm going to surf a tsunami. He wanted to ski an avalanche. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very tragic incident, no matter what. Um, but the fact that there was a special called Russian Yeti, the killer lives is definitely a little red flag in a partner. Um, definitely want to watch out for that poof. Was that another one of those, like, weird History Channel things where they were like, mermaids are real for a while, but then it was like... Yeah, 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 yeah. You get, you get the vibes. If he's like a polar bear, then his fur is incredibly soft, unlike most <gasps> other bears. And that is a pro. Oh, that is such a pro. Oh. Texture is a plus in absolutely every aspect of life. 100%. Also, would the Yeti not get uh, royalties from Disney and every company that uses its likeness? You were so right. I bet the Yeti is making some bank in back pay. Yeti is living comfortably. Maybe not so much given the entire strike, the entire state of the, the entertainment industry right now, but. Um, True. You know what? Has anyone seen Yeti on the picket lines. Hey, I need input right now. I mean, 
No, because the picket lines are too low for them to survive in, but... And also in America, mostly right now. Very true. The Yeti has one, a single person picket line up in the Himalayans from Solidarity. <laughs> They're in spirit, the absolutely. The Yeti is picketing climbers on Mount Everest as he should. Absolutely. Again, as we've established, the, the mountains do not want those people there. Truly wild that you go to Mount Everest knowing there's a decent chance you'll become a landmark. Yeah! Like, turn left at the red boot with a literal person still stuck in it isn't enough reason for you to go, mmm, maybe I should go back to my warm, warm house, actually. Right? In breathable air. Yeah. Even if you survive, it's not gonna be fun. No, no, no. It's not like a chill, cool experience. It, it's... I was gonna say, just leave the Yeti alone. <laughs> Just leave the Yeti alone. That's a good that's a good conclusion to this. It's what they want, and it's what they deserve. And on that note, thank you for tuning in to another episode. If you're ever out hiking in the Himalayas for some godforsaken reason, while you're there, at least say hi to the Yeti for us. Bye-bye. Bye. I don't know why we waved our hands. Right? <laughs> <laughs>